Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Trevor Hunt of Pine Creek Outfitters on the line. Trevor, how you doing? Good, Jay. Yeah, it's going to be fun having you on. I got to meet you in person up at the Salt Lake uh, City uh, Western Hunting Expo, and it was uh, good to kind of put a name to a face, and um, we scheduled this podcast, so I'm, I'm excited about talking to you about Utah and Nevada. Thanks. It was good to meet you. I'm excited as well. Yeah. Trevor, uh, for those of, of, of the listeners out there that maybe don't know a lot about you, one thing that I was uh, pleasantly surprised to find out is uh, Clay Bundy of Clay Bundy Outfitters, who's been on this podcast and gotten a lot of great feedback from the podcast that I've done with Clay, you're actually married to Clay's daughter. And so that I am Clay, your father-in-law. Yes, correct. So how long have you been traipsing around with your father-in-law, I assume a bunch out on the Arizona Strip and looking at big deer? Yeah, yep, I've been oh, a little over 14 years uh, traipsing along with him. He's quite the guy. Um, you know, what's so fun about having him on the podcast, um, you know, he's got so much knowledge of the Arizona Strip, and it's fun to kind of pick his brain and kind of dive in. But the passion for mule deer that he has is is amazing, and you've got to see that firsthand. Um, have you been able to uh, be on a lot of those big deer uh, harvests that he's uh, been able to take up there on the Strip? I have. I've been pretty fortunate to to be on most of the big deer that he's been able to get out there and I've learned so much from him that that's part of the reason I'm successful in doing what I'm doing in Utah and Nevada is everything I've learned from him over the years it's been it's been fun to tag along with him and together we make a pretty good team that's awesome um Trevor why don't you tell the listeners and myself uh, a little bit about Pine Creek Outfitters, uh, how how it started, and kind of your area of focus. Okay. So when I married his daughter, of course, I'm going to start tagging along with him. And I started guiding for Clay back in, uh, I think, 2007, and uh, was guiding out on the Arizona Strip with him and having a lot of fun. And I kind of wanted to branch out and do more of it. And so living where I live, I'm close to a lot of these other good areas as well. And so I decided to take on Utah and Nevada, and now I'm so busy up there that that's primarily um, where I focus on, and I don't get out to the Strip as much as I used to. Um, We do most of our hunts in Nevada, Um, deer, a few elk. We've done some sheep and antelope, but we basically focus on mule deer and then in utah we do the same we do mule deer elk and and antelope in utah so where do you actually live and then a follow-up to that is you know how far from a lot of the prime units that you hunt in nevada you know what kind of investment do you have as far as time to get over to check out those great units in nevada So I live in Enterprise, Utah. It's about 40 miles north of St. George and about 45 miles west of Cedar City. 
And so from Area 24 in Nevada, I'm about 20 miles um, to the border. And then in Unit 231 in Nevada, it takes me about 30 minutes to get to the southeastern corner of that unit. So pretty much within an hour, I can be into the center of those two units, which are some of the best in the state, and then some of the um, units to the west of there. You know, I'm not much farther to get there. So really within two hours, I'm, I can be on the strip. I can be pretty much anywhere in these eastern Nevada units or in the southwestern units of Utah. So I'm pretty lucky where I live. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk about uh, Utah and Nevada both. Um, but, you know, before we get into Nevada, obviously uh, the draw for Utah is coming up. I believe the deadline is March the 7th. Uh, so it's about a week out. And uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you uh, your area of focus in Utah and talk about some of the areas uh, that, that, that you like to focus there, whether it be for uh, deer, uh, elk, antelope, uh, what that may be in Utah. So those people out there that maybe are still considering what units to apply for and, you know, whether to go with an outfit or what have you, um, talk about your Utah business and your primary, you know, areas of focus there. Okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> our two main units that we focus on is the Pine Valley unit for general deer and the Southwest Desert Unit for general deer and elk, and um, a few antelope hunts out there. So the Pine Valley Unit is pretty sought after for the general season deer, and a couple years ago they started the late muzzleload hunt, which is actually a limited entry hunt on a general season unit. And it takes place around the first week of November, and they only give about eight or nine tags, and it's kind of a another way for you to use your limited entry points to to go on a good hunt without you know the long wait of the Henry Mountains or the Pontagon or something like that. It it still takes a lot of points to draw these limited entry hunts on the general season, but it's it's good to have um, some more opportunities for sure. Now. We're uh, usually Trevor, pretty a quick, busy. In a quick question there real fast. Um, so the Pine Valley is a general unit, but the timing of the hunt, since it's a, uh, a November hunt, it actually becomes a limited entry season. So it's on a general unit, but the timing of the season, you use your limited entry points to get that because it's a better time from a timing standpoint, it's better than the general season. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. So, and and another good feature is there's eight or nine tags on the whole unit. Um, last year, we did really well on it. We we got lucky and, and were successful. Um, they also have that same hunt on the Southwest Desert general unit. They have a late muzzleload limited entry hunt on that as well. And the difference in quality between the Pine Valley and uh, the Southwest Desert for deer is what? I mean, is there a dramatic difference in quality? 
I wouldn't say there's a drastic um, difference in quality, but there is in quantity. Southwest desert has a little bit different habitat, um, and therefore the deer, the deer herd isn't as plentiful as, say, the Pine Valley. You, you could go hunt the southwest desert, do a lot of glassing and hunt hard, and if you see a few deer a day, you're doing good. On the Pine Valley unit, I mean, you depending on which season you're hunting, you you could see 50 to 100 deer a day. You know, the the age class is a big thing on each unit. You know, if they can get the age class, of course, then we can get the the bigger bucks. Um, we've been successful with 190 plus deer on each unit over the years. So the qual the qualities. In my opinion, the quality is about the same. Okay. Uh, that's good stuff. So those are the two units for deer that you primarily work in Utah. Um, yes. Are, are, there, are there any others that you would also do in Utah, or is it just those two? You know, I have the opportunity to do more units, but we're usually so busy in Nevada that that – it's just a time thing. I just don't have the time to to put in to make it successful. We are um, permitted on the Ponsagant unit um, for certain situations that come up, but it's not one that I focus on um, primarily. Sure. So talk to me about the elk units in Utah. I heard you mention the Southwest Desert. Uh, talk about uh, the the Utah uh, elk units that you like to hunt in. Yeah, so so we do the Southwest Desert, and the reason we do is just because of you know that's where I've grown up, and that's where I I've spent all of my time. Um, it it used to be a really good unit, and it it's not as good as it used to be, but we still have clients that are interested in the hunt. I. I tell everybody it's a 340 to 350 class bull unit with the possibility of something bigger, um, you know, for sure. We've, we've been a part of, of a lot of elk out there. There's, there's usually been a 390 bull killed about every year somewhere on the unit. Um, so it still can produce some big bulls, but it's gone downhill a little bit. But for the guy that, you know, maybe – wants to come and kill a 350 bull, a um, little easier to draw than maybe some of these other units that are a lot more popular. It's still a good fun hunt. You know, they, there's a lot of rut activity. It's, it's easier country. It's, it's not high country by any means. It's more high desert country. And it's a really fun hunt, but it's probably not one of the best in the state for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's relative, though, because Utah has pretty darn good elk hunting um, yeah. Talk a little bit about the timing of the seasons on the Southwest Desert with the archery hunt, you know, being in, starting in mid-August, and I believe it goes to like the 13th or something like that in, in um, September, and talk about the different elk seasons and maybe the pros and cons of each, and then, you know, maybe once you get to it, which season you like the best out there. Okay, so yeah, the... Archery season generally will start the middle of August and go till the middle of September. Um, the dates fluctuate because it will start on a Saturday and end on a Friday. So usually it's pretty hot out there during that time. And 
which is a good thing because if you're if you've got a bull picked out and you've got him coming to water or something like that, generally you can sit water or something and try to get on that bull that you've scouted all summer. And as August goes on, of course, they start wandering around and looking for cows and stuff. And then later in that hunt, depending on the year, you can actually catch a little bit of rut activity once you start getting into that last week um, of the archery hunt. And then as soon as that archery hunt ends, the early rifle hunt starts, and it's mid-September for nine, ten days, and that can be really fun. I mean, you've got a rifle in your hands, and you're hunting bulls that are rutting. Um, generally, you can hear a lot of bugle activity and even call some of them in. So that's that's one of my favorite, favorite hunts out there for elk, just because you, you know, you have a rifle and you're hunting in the rut. Now, as soon as that hunt ends, a few days later, the muzzleload hunt starts. And it's about the third week of September, and it goes for another nine or ten days. These hunts all go back to back to back out there. And I like the muzzleload hunt probably the best because it seems like they're a little heavier into the rut. Uh, it's a little bit later in September. Um, the nights are cooling off a little bit better. And you can generally really get into some heavy rut activity. Utah's rules now with muzzleloaders, um, there's not many restrictions there. So you you still have a, you know, two, three hundred yard capacity with a muzzleloader, and, and that makes it fun too. So the rifle hunt and the muzzleload hunt are, are some of the better elk hunts out there for sure. And then they have a late season hunt that's in – November. It's usually around the first week in November, first week and a half, something like that in November. And it can be a good hunt as well. However, you have the chance of hunting some broken up bulls. They've already gone through the rut. They, they could be broken, pretty, pretty tired and haggard. You're hunting them a little bit different because they're bachelored back up and they've moved back into the thick, nasty high country and and so it can be a little tougher to find a good bull, but it's, it's not impossible. Uh, we've hunted that hunt as well and, and had success on it. And it just goes back to more of old school hunting that we all like, you know, as far as glassing the bulls and spotting and stalking and stuff like that, rather than just finding the group of cows and chasing the rutting bulls. So it's, probably my second favorite hunt because it's uh it's cooler you you generally still see a lot of bulls um and you know you can just uh chase them around and have fun for sure um so is the southwest desert uh primarily the only unit in utah that you focus on for elk uh yes primarily once in a while, if I have a sub-guide available on a, a different unit that he knows well, then we've done that in the past. But as far as myself, that's the only unit that I really focus on, again, because of, of time with some of the other hunts I have going on. 
And I heard that last year there was a really big bull shot in the southwest desert, but it actually probably was a Nevada bull that had crossed over into Utah. Um, is that true? You know, I've heard the same thing, and, and that's really pretty common. The southwest desert borders Unit 231 in Nevada, and the border is where a lot of these elk on each unit like to hang out. So I'm sure you have Utah bulls going to Nevada and Nevada bulls going to Utah and, and vice versa. I have videoed some big bulls in Nevada that have been killed in Utah during that um, September rut hunt because a lot of them will, will fall down into the, into the big sage flats and the, and the rolling hills over there to rut and then, of course, get killed with, with a rifle or a muzzleloader. Um, I saw you up at the Western Hunting Expo, uh, and I'm wondering, if have you kept track on some of the conservation permits and what have you, what the general theme was as far as for some of the uh, deer hunts and some of the elk hunts in Utah in general, uh, how have the prices been as far as, you know, average, above average, below average on some of these conservation permits for both deer and elk? You know, I, I, I haven't kept up with it as well as I should have this year. Um, I usually keep up on the southwest desert for sure, but I, I didn't uh, keep up with it on there. The landowner tags are still selling for about the same as they have been, and some of the deer tags I've heard sell um, in Utah for other areas have been about the same as years past. Talk a little bit about the moisture conditions, obviously with the southwest desert uh, and even the Pine Valley uh, for deer and for elk there for the southwest desert. Talk about the conditions, how they compare to normal years and where we're at as far as, in your mind, going into, you know, potentially the spring here and what are conditions and, and what's, what's your outlook? <coughs> Well, I'm really positive outlook this year. We've got a lot of snow and a lot of rain this winter and early spring. I'm sitting here looking out my window right now at the mountains around, and they're all white. Um, they claim we have 170% of normal snowpack, so that's, that's really good around here. So my outlook for this year is just, I can't wait. I'm so excited just with all the moisture that we've been getting and and hope to continue to get if we if we can get a few more rainstorms or a few more of these good wet snowstorms over the next couple of months. I really feel like this is going to be a phenomenal year for antler growth, both both Pine Valley and Southwest Desert units. Good stuff. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, your primary focus, which is the state of Nevada. Um, and I'll kind of let you describe your operation in Nevada. Um, maybe talk a, talk a little bit about your preparation uh, for your hunts, whether it be elk or deer, uh, and, you know, kind of we're going into spring, kind of what will be coming on with summer, and, and you know, will you be running trail cameras, or what's your kind of outlook and how you prepare for these Nevada hunts coming up? Yeah, so I have a pretty good team of sub-guides and helpers that, that work with me, and, and for sure I can't do this alone. 
um, without them. And so once uh, we kind of get through spring and, and get going into summer, I do run trail cameras. Um, Nevada's got the law now that you have to have them down by August 1st. And so what we'll do is we'll go set cameras pretty early, um, the end of May, 1st of June, and, and then watch those cameras over the next two months and, and then pull them down the end of July. And that gives us a real good idea of what's, what's in the area. Um, if we've got some carryover deer from last year, they're back in the area. And then, of course, old-fashioned glassing. You know, we go out as much as we can and, and try to glass these deer and watch what they're doing and, and make sure we can find the deer that we know about from last year and, and uh, really, get a good, really get a good feel for what's there so that we know how to plan for what clients are coming and what seasons um, they're coming for. You know, one of the first things we like to try to do is try to find those carryover deer from last year so we know whether to, that we need to go look for new deer or, or whether we, you know, know those deer back and, and see if they're bigger or if they're not or, or what's going on like that. And then just, just time in the field, you know, between me and my sub-guides, we try to spend every waking minute out there as, as best we can. And, and uh, I, I like to say before a client comes in to hunt, I, I want to have some good bucks found and, and have a game plan so that we can spend our time hunting that buck instead of hunting for a buck. It just it makes things a lot easier. Now, that's not always possible. There's a lot of different scenarios that come into play on that. But, you know, that's the ultimate goal is just try to run cameras, see what's there, and spend as much time as we can actually glassing these deer and watching them and, and going that way. So when it comes to deer hunting in Nevada, um, is it, you know, you've got your archery season, you've got your different season structure. Um, is it safe to say that those deer, you know, you may target them on every hunt until they get killed? Um, talk a little bit about, you know, finding a big deer in the summer, trying to kill them, and, you know, with the archery equipment and, you know, through each season and how typically... You know, is it hard to stay on those deer, or can you pattern them pretty good and, and get them killed? How does that work? Yeah. We usually can do pretty good staying on the deer through the summer for sure, and even through the archery season. Um, once the muzzleload season in September comes, usually they're shedding their velvet anywhere within that month, you know, mid-September or something like that. And, and then you may lose the deer for, I don't know, we've lost them for several weeks at a time once they're shedding that velvet. And then usually you can find them again um, in that early October stage. But once, the farther in October you get, a lot of times they, they tend to disappear on us, um, whether it's looking for does, whether it's just staying nocturnal, um, something like that. But... <clears throat> The one example I'll use is that great big buck that Jason Campbell killed last year. It was one of my favorite bucks, and I'm, I'm so happy that a, a guy like him got it. He's such a good guy, and, and that buck, I'm glad that buck uh, went to him. But we watched that buck all summer, had a lot of, or for the last couple of years even, you know, had some good 
trail camera pictures of him and kind of learned what he did and where he went to rut and, and different things like that. So he was one of our main deer we were focusing on last year. And then, you know, Jason Campbell was able to harvest that deer. And so then we have to go to plan B. So <laughs> a lot of times that, um, that'll happen too. We, we can be watching a deer all summer and, and he could be killed by a hunter. And then we have to, to move on. But as far as the summer goes, and even into September, generally you can, if you've got a pretty good deer found, then you can keep uh, keep track of him pretty well. As long as there's not a ton of pressure in there, he may he may go nocturnal on you or something. I feel like they go nocturnal before they move out of the country. I think they just hole up. Gotcha. They're there in the thick stuff, and they just aren't moving much during the day and kind of running a real tight pattern. Yeah. Yep. Um, talk a little bit about the Nevada mule deer uh, guided draw. I did a podcast oh, a month ago with Greg Krogh, and I know he guides. I know you know Greg, and he guides in Nevada and, as well. Uh, but and we some of the listeners have probably listened to that episode. But talk about the. Um, non-resident mule deer uh, Nevada guide draw that's coming up, I believe, uh, here in a week or so the deadline is. Uh, and if you have availabilities, if you have people that, you know, want to apply for Nevada, <clears throat> talk a little bit about that program. Yeah, so it's a really good program that, that Nevada has. If you are going to use an outfitter anyways and you want to go on a rifle hunt, then because it's only for rifle mule deer for non-residents. So what it does is it just allows the non-residents that are going to go guided their own draw. They put in, they contact the outfitter and make the deal with the outfitter, and then they can put in with his license number and PIN, and what that does is that tag's only going to be valid with that outfitter or one of his subguides with you, with the client. So if they draw, their tag's no good without the outfitter or one of his guides. But it gives better odds in some of these harder-to-draw units or, or any, any of the units, really, because they have so many tags set aside, and that's only for these, for these clients that are, that are putting in on that draw. So... You know, they they say depending on the unit, you can have two to four times better drawing odds just by putting in with a guide and and going that way. Okay, and so you if people want to contact you, you can handle um, getting them all set up to apply for that um, rifle mule deer non-resident tag. Or yeah. So, yep. I I. Uh, would be more than willing to talk to anybody, even if they have questions, if I can answer their questions. We do have availability if they want to contact us and put in with us. Um, I have a few different ways people can reach me. You know, I have an Instagram account that's Pine Creek Outfitters. They can DM me, send me a message on that, and um, we can go from there on, on the process of, of applying. If, if they have never applied in Nevada before, and they were born after 1960, then they have to validate their hunter education with the state of Nevada, and that takes um, a little bit of time. And so if anybody's thinking about applying for Nevada that has never before, then 
they need to contact me or something, and, and I will fill them in on what they need to do to, to validate that hunter education, and then, then they need to create a profile before they're able to uh, apply for the draw. Talk about Nevada. Um, I believe you've been involved with some of the governor's tags, and then I believe there's also some landowner tags. Um, talk about some of your um, opportunities that you've been a part of and some of the big deer that you've uh, been able to harvest with clients there in Nevada. Yeah, so I haven't been involved with many of the governor tag situations. I helped last year um, on one down here in southern Nevada with, uh, with a good friend. Um, and then landowner tags, I've usually been able to do quite a few clients a year on landowner tags, and that's a really good opportunity for some of these guys if they're able to pick up these tags. It, it allows you to hunt all the seasons. If a guy has a lot of time and likes to hunt all the seasons, then he can come and hunt archery, he can hunt muzzleloader, he can hunt rifle, um, and and really be picky, I guess you could say, in, in trying to harvest that big deer, the dream buck that he's always dreamt of or something. And we've been pretty fortunate on those to kill some pretty big deer um, over the last several years anyways. Trevor, I want to take just a second, uh, take a quick break here and thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson is the optics manager there at the GoHunt.com gear shop. Uh, if you guys have any binocular or optics needs at all, whether it be you know binoculars, rifle scopes, spotting scopes, tripods, you just want a top glassing technique, uh, you can call my buddy Cody. Uh, he is the glassing guru. He's the optics authority. You can call him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also send him an email at optics at gohunt.com. Uh, Cody, I've known him for 20-plus years, and he I, I routinely, just about every day, get a message from a J. Scott Outdoors podcast listener where Cody has taken care of someone uh, with a good deal on, on optics uh, and given good advice. So make sure to reach out to him. He's promised me that he will take care of my listeners uh, I want to thank GoHunt.com for their sponsorship. I also want to remind you guys, this is application season. Uh, GoHunt Insider, uh, if you sign up for the GoHunt Insider, you're going to get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card that you can immediately start spending money uh, and, and saving money. Uh, just go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. Uh, that also helps me out, and I appreciate you guys doing that. But the Go Hunt Insider is the best Western hunting resource out there for draw odds and uh, harvest data, harvest statistics, uh, strategy articles. Uh, make sure to go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U.com. Uh, Kuyu is the gear that I wear uh, on all of my hunts. Uh, check out kuyu.com. I uh, also want to thank Canyon Coolers based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the JSCOT19 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Foamscope.com, which is the digiscoping device that uh, I take all the photos and videos right on my phone. If you use the JSCOT19 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. 
and then onxmaps.com. If you use the jscott19 promo code, if you go to onxmaps.com, you're going to get a 20% discount. And I want to thank Onyx uh, for their sponsorship of this podcast. Trevor, uh, some of these big deer uh, in Nevada um, that you've been a part of, talk a little bit about, you know, your working with Clay out on the Arizona Strip and some of the giant deer out there. Uh, talk about some of the similarities and some of the differences that you see in some of these units you hunt in Nevada uh, compared to some of the things you see out on the Arizona Strip, whether it be, you know, deer's behavior, antler characteristics, uh, you know, mass from rack to rack. You know, talk about the, the differences and the similarities uh, between uh, those deer. <coughs> yeah, one thing the strip has and is known for, for sure, is mass. You know, they have mass like none other. Um, that's that's probably one of the bigger differences is over in Nevada we have a lot of wide deer, a lot of big deer, and there are some deer with mass, but I... I generally would say that uh, that's one of the differences for sure. Um, you know, over the years, Clay's taught me a lot. I mean, pretty much everything on how to hunt hunt these big deer. Now, I grew up hunting and and learned the love of hunting from my dad growing up. But as far as being able to find and harvest some of these big deer, um, I've I owe it to to Clay and and his teaching me, but. One thing that, that has helped me in Nevada is, is learning to hunt the strip. It's a vast country. It's hard country. It's few deer. Um, you really have to put your optics to work and, and mentally prepare yourself to, to go out and look for those giant deer. Um, they're not everywhere. I don't care if you're on the strip or if you're in Nevada. There's not giant deer around every bush. And so that's one of the similarities, I would say, between the Strip and Nevada is some of these, um, I'll use Area 24, uh, Unit 242 in Area 24, for example, in Nevada. It's thick country, reminds me of the Strip. There's big deer there, but there's few deer there. And so you have to mentally prepare yourself to hunt that unit um, and, and put your optics to work and know how to use them know how to glass, where to glass, what what scenarios to do like that. And and that's one thing that I that I've learned hunting with clay on the strip that has really helped me be successful in Nevada. Um, another difference is some of these units in Nevada, um, a little farther north or pretty high country. You can you can get pretty high up in the in the mountains and those deer behavior is a lot different than say the the deer behavior out on the strip that a lot of times out on the strip we'll watch a deer grow watch him in velvet watch him grow watch him rut and pick up his sheds all within the same area general area and, and some of these nevada units and utah units it's a lot different they summer 40 or 50 miles away from where they rut or or shed their antlers and so learning those differences has helped me and deer's behavior in Nevada and especially that high country I would say that 
some of the lower thick desert country the deer um, behaviors a lot like the strip they're they're not out very long you know it's hot it's it's dry usually um, they're out if you're lucky you in the summertime you know you've got a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening that you're that you're glassing these deer and that's a lot like like uh, glassing deer on the on the Arizona strip for sure would you say that your time in Nevada is primarily devoted to mule deer, or do you also spend time uh, with elk out in Nevada? Yes, my time's mostly spent with mule deer. We do elk. We've guided elk hunters in Nevada. Um, probably 80% of my time or more is, is mule deer. That's, that's my favorite thing to hunt. I love them. To me, there's nothing better than a great big buck. But I mean, we enjoy elk too. Like I've said before, you know, I've got I've got a couple of sub guides that are crazy for elk, and so that helps um, on that scenario too. But that, that's probably what I'd say is we spend most of our time on mule deer. However, we still do elk hunts. Talk about um, with the moisture conditions this year, specifically talking about the deer. Um, and comparing it to last year, where last year was a pretty rough year, um, but I hear Nevada actually wasn't as bad as maybe some of the some of the south, uh, southwestern states. But talk about the difference maybe from what you know these animals will be coming into spring. Uh, I, I you know I feel like they went into winter with with good fall moisture. Um, talk about you know just as far as your thoughts right now on, you know, antler capacity, do you, I mean, do you think it's going to be as good as it can possibly be? Uh, yes, I, I do. Um, even if it's not as good as it possibly could be, I think it's going to be great. Um, last year was a horrible year uh, for us. I mean, in Nevada, it was, it was pretty rough, you know. I watched that buck Jason Campbell killed go from – huge i mean he was huge when he killed him at 204 inches but the year before he was you know significantly bigger and then so this year i'm i'm excited you know i think that there's a lot of deer that are finally getting up to that prime age that that this moisture they could just blow up and i've seen it on the strip with with uh a dry year to a wet year I've seen deer just literally put on 50 inches you know and, and I I feel like this year in Nevada could be could be that way um, like I say right here in southwestern corner of Utah we're way above um, our percentage of snowfall in Nevada across the way there they're they're the same um, all the I think we're going to go into spring with all the ponds full, all the guzzlers full. There's going to be good feed. And, and one thing we have in Nevada is winter country. We have low desert winter country that these deer migrate to in the winter. So all the snowfall that we've been getting, all the snowfall that's in the mountains is not affecting our deer because they have a place to go. They, they're not stuck in... 40 or 50 inches of snow like some of these other states so that that's a real good benefit that we have is 
is there's plenty of winter country for these deer that they can go to, survive the, the nasty winters, and then in the spring they can go up, you know, to their summer country, and, and it's going to be lush, it's going to be wet, it's going to be, in my opinion, probably one of the best years that's been for a while. Talk about your deer in Nevada as far as you talk about them migrating um, on up to the summer country. Uh, with a moisture year like this, do you think that their transition up there will be a little slower in that they know that it's still deep and what have you? Or do you think they're, uh, you know, as soon as, as soon as they start to move up there, they just go straight on up and, you know, or, or do you think it's going to be a little bit delayed this year? I think it's going to still be about average because they're what they're doing you know is they're going from 3,000 foot elevation down in the Joshua Tree Desert up to 6,000 foot elevation in the high desert and so it's with the exception of those northern units that, that they're going to go up to eight or nine thousand feet up in the up in the wilderness you know but I, I think it's going to be the same as, as what it generally is you know, right now we still have a lot of snow up high, but um, as far as down around the the elevation of where we hunt and where those deer summer, uh, a lot of the snow's melting now and, and not very deep, and, and I expect to, to see them back up in the summer country about the same time as usual. I want to take uh, just a second um, and talk a little bit about, I believe you own a trucking company, and I've got some questions about that. Uh, you obviously have an outfitting business, and, and that's your passion and your love, but talk about, um, so to speak, your day job uh, in your trucking company that you have. You know, my, my wife loves that question when people ask what I do in the off-season. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I own a small trucking company, um, basically just one truck. I, I drive it myself, doing various different things. But I also um, do, I tell everybody I do anything that's out there to get through the summertime. I do a lot of concrete work. Um, I do a lot of construction, um, like house building type work. My dad's a general contractor. I've grown up around, around that business and... Uh, help him at times and then do some of my own stuff and um, I have a really good friend that owns an excavation company busier than heck right now so I, I have plenty of stuff to do in the off season and I hate doing all of it all I want to do is get back out hunting but but the <laughs> year, years ago years ago I owned a trucking company and then I kind of got out of it and have been guiding a lot but I still have to have a day job to support my family you know I'd love to be able to just guide and and hunt and that's what that's what I do but so I I still I I haul cattle um, I haul hay on flatbed trailers cattle trailers we have water tankers I, I just have a, vari a variety of stuff to do with my trucking business that that keeps me um, as busy as I want to be, you know, and, and a, a variety of things so that I usually can find work wherever. I don't, I don't go out on the road and stay, stay gone for long periods of time. I'm more of just a, a local, you know, I'll go overnight 
when when I need to and stuff like that. But yeah, so between the trucking and the the construction work and one of my other good friends owns some businesses and I mean he's calling me all the time. So I I do a variety of things to to get by in the in the winter time and and the springtime and all all it is is just to get back to that July when I can head back to the hills. Just to fuel the addiction? Yeah, yeah. I have to work in the winter just to be able to afford the guide hunters is what it comes down to. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. That's awesome. So Nevada, um, we've got the, the rifle, non-resident uh, guided mule deer draw. We've talked about that. But then Nevada is also going to open up here kind of mid-March, and I think the deadline will be in kind of mid-April. Uh, if there's listeners out there that are interested in some of the Nevada hunts, uh, mule deer, elk, uh, what about sheep? Do you guys do any sheep uh, in Nevada at all? You know, we have done. It's been with friends of family members or something like that. We've, you know, I've hunted sheep with clay um, quite a bit over the years, and, and I really love hunting them things. They are they are so fun, but we don't really specialize in the sheep hunting. I mean, we we did one a couple of years ago, and for one of my sub guides, brother, and had a blast doing it. Gotcha. Okay, uh, and I'm uh, am I correct in that the Nevada application uh, for the general draw it's not open yet? Correct. Right, right. It'll open up. I, I believe I got an email or a letter saying that it'll open up around March 18th, and it generally closes around April 15th or something like that. So, and that's for the archery deer, the muzzleload deer. I mean, even the rifle deer. If you're not wanting to go guided or haven't decided if you want to go guided yet, and the elk and the sheep and the antelope, it's it's all in their main draw that should be opening up here in. Well, I guess a few weeks now. We're almost to March. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing how time flies, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, buddy, it's been great uh, talking to you on the podcast. Uh, look forward to uh, you guys having a great year out there and want to encourage people, if they're interested in the Nevada uh, rifle guided mule deer draw, to give you a call. And if they're interested in elk hunting and in uh, Utah in the Southwest Desert or Pine Valley for for a mule deer to give you a call. I want to give you a chance, Trevor, to let people know how they can reach out to you. Uh, and uh, yeah, just I've been following you on Instagram and enjoying seeing the giant uh, photos and such. Uh, so I, I thought having you on the podcast, I, I really wanted to have you on the podcast, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, one thing real quick before I give my number and stuff is, is as a listener of your podcast, I sure appreciate what you do for the, for the hunters and, and for the outfitters like myself as far as promoting our business and just promoting hunting in general. You know, it's something I think we need to keep, keep promoting and everything like that. And, and the information that you guys provide is amazing. Um, I have my Instagram account is Pine Creek Outfitters. You can follow me there. You can message me there anytime. I usually get those messages pretty frequently. Um, or you can text me or call me on my phone, and that number is 435-632-8901.
Um, those are the two best ways to, to get a hold of me. And then from there, we can, we can decide if we need to email stuff back and forth or, or talk or help with strategy plans or stuff like that. We can, we can do that then. All right, man. Well, God bless you. Thanks for coming on and sharing uh, with us. And um, uh, I, I'm excited to tell Clay that I had you on the podcast. I know he'll get a kick out of listening to it. And, um, yeah. yeah, hats off to you for the success that you guys have had. And I look forward to seeing you down the road here. Thanks, Jay. It was, it was really fun. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. Bye.